On today's episode of Strategy Simplified, I walk through MasterCard. MasterCard is an anomaly because it does have transaction-oriented volume that looks like a variable cost business. But I'm gonna make the case that it actually behaves differently than most variable cost businesses and why. In addition, I talk about MasterCard's purchase of a consulting firm in 2015, why it makes sense and why it's a common exit strategy for other consulting firms. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember the old sliding credit card machines, but I am. When my family and I used to go to shopping malls and big box stores, the way that you would pay with a credit card was they would take out the big machine and they would slide it through and then they would transact on the back end. The systems have changed a lot since then, but MasterCard, one of the major interchange carriers, has been one of the organizations at the forefront of creating value for companies that want to transact more seamlessly. You've got the big four, Visa, Amex, MasterCard, and Discover. And oh, what a lock on the system they have. You can see it in their financials and it's really powerful. So today on Strategy Simplified, we're going to focus on what makes MasterCard a great company, why they have the pricing power that they do inside the organizations that they work with, why they even with pricing power are willing to negotiate on price with some of their merchants, and finally, how they're doing in the long run. In addition, we have a little bonus treat today because MasterCard has made some interesting acquisitions, and I'm going to talk about one of them in particular that I think will be very interesting to this community. So just a little history on MasterCard. MasterCard was started in 1979. MasterCard was created as a multinational financial services corporation, and Overall, their initial focus was on trying to create a processing network that would enable people to use credit. And it was pretty old school. You would take the numbers, you would sign the information. Most of the time, those numbers would go through. Sometimes they would call and the numbers would be declined. And it used to be this very archaic old school system. But with the rise of technology, instantaneous processing times and more, as well as the insights that merchants have gained from the power of being able to offer their customers credit card transactions, MasterCard has found a heyday moment. In particular, one case that I did when I was at Bain was about Taco Bell. When stores like Taco Bell were thinking about credit cards, they were concerned that the transaction fees would be too great. And so they were cash only, mandatorily. If you have a $3 average purchase or a $4 average purchase, why take credit cards for those? And the analytics that we ran for them showed that people would spend more, much more than they would pay on the fees. And so they decided to roll it out as a test. When that prophecy became true, when they identified that that was actually the reality, that when people were able to use credit cards, they bought more, they bought more liberally, they thought less about the value of the purchase that they were buying, they quickly rolled it out to all of the stores. And such is the value that MasterCard offers merchants. So if we go and we look at the 10K over the last couple of years, so we've posted this in the show notes so that you can find it. Uh, This is for the year ending December 31st, 2019. Um, You can look at just what MasterCard has done even in the last couple of years. MasterCard became public in 2006 and since then has seen a rapid amount of growth, which is pretty radical for a company that's been around for such a long time. So in 2017, we had revenues of 12.5 billion. In 2018, 15 billion. And in 2019, 16.9 billion. What's driving the revenue increase? For MasterCard, it's 
very simple. They have two ways that they make money. One is on transaction volume, and the second is on transaction value. So if people are spending more, if you're buying a Tesla on a credit card, that's good for MasterCard. Also, if they're spending more frequently, if you're putting things that you would have spent cash on, like you now go to the farmer's market and you put that on your credit card, that's also good for MasterCard. And so these three numbers show a pretty decent rate of growth for such an established company. One of the things that you'll find is interesting is that the line, their revenue line, is called net revenue. Now, MasterCard processes much larger volumes of money. In fact, about $70 trillion in 2019. But this number reflects the actual capture that they get from their merchant fees. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, this is a variable cost business, i.e. there are costs that are associated with each one of these transactions. They have to pay the interchanges and they're affiliated with banks and there are pieces of the cost. But this isn't a traditional variable cost business in that usually in a variable cost business, you focus on two main things. You focus on the pricing of the units and you focus on the cost of each of those transactions. So while there are costs that MasterCard has to pay to be able to run their proprietary systems, they actually are more like issuers in this setting. And so therefore, instead of trying to capture maximum price or maximum contribution margin from every single one of these transactions, when they get a merchant, like let's say a large merchant like Walmart, MasterCard absolutely wants to transact with Walmart. What does Walmart want? They want to offer MasterCard, but they don't want to pay excruciating fees to offer MasterCard. And so every year, Walmart goes back to MasterCard and tries to negotiate different rates with the MasterCard processing fees so that they can pay less per transaction. And so is MasterCard willing to offer those concessions? Absolutely. Not massive concessions, but small concessions, because the worst case scenario for them would be not to have access to either the individual transaction volume or the transaction amounts. So there's a play and interconnectedness between the retailers that offer MasterCard for payment and MasterCard itself. What you do see here is that once you've booked that net revenue, which again is really driven by both the size of the transaction and the volume of transactions, uh, which is what makes it a variable cost oriented business, you see that MasterCard is actually operating like a fixed cost business here. In fact, their fixed costs have risen very slowly, much more slowly than the net revenue from 5.9 billion to only 7.2 billion in the same time when they added about 4.4 billion in the revenue line. And so that very small change, that 1.4 billion only represents a very small portion of the overall expenses. And where is it coming from? Well, their depreciation and amortization is pretty small. Their advertising and marketing is increasing, but certainly not at the rate that their revenues are. Why? Their major acquisition of customers is through issuers, through banks that are offering co-branded MasterCard. And then finally, general and administrative. So you've got the 4.7 um, growing up to the 5.8. But all of those, every single expense on their books is an operating expense, which makes this number, the total operating expense number down to operating income, 9.7 billion. 9.7 billion on 16.9 billion, I'll take it. We'll be right back after this quick message. 
If you're enjoying learning about strategy and want to put it into action, one of the best ways to do that is by joining us on a future strategy sprint. Strategy sprint is a two day training process, one day for skills and one day to plan with a team how to solve an actual case. Then we put you live with a client for an entire week with a coach that is a former McKinsey, Bain or BCG staff member. Your coach will guide you through how to interact with the client, how to resolve data, and how to make great recommendations. Join us for the next strategy sprint by finding the link in the show notes and registering on our upcoming waitlist. We look forward to having you. Finally, you have some income tax expense. This is one of the only organizations that we've looked at that has such extravagant taxes that it has to pay $1.6 billion in 2019. Most other organizations are shielded from those kind of numbers because they do not have income that's as high. Still, their net income numbers clocking in at almost 50% net income margins or net margins um, and earnings per share of about $8 per share, up from about $370 in 2017. So again, you've seen massive appreciation when you see a business like this, you see compounding that's happening over time. And so again, even though there are dynamics, volume-based transactions that are happening in the MasterCard system, and it would technically be classified as a variable cost business because there is a cost for each one of those transactions that they do have to pay. This absolutely is a volume-based game where they're able to leverage this very important back-end operating system significantly to drive greater profits over time. So MasterCard is a, for all intents and purposes, a uh, they operate like a fixed cost business that is working to leverage that platform, that system, the brand, and everything else that they have. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the moves that MasterCard has made. One that's of particular interest to me is their acquisition of a company that for many years I recommended as an alternative to McKinsey, Bain, and BCG. The company has applied predictive technologies, and though now it has been completely folded into MasterCard, if you look them up, you can find that they have an interesting history. ABT was founded in 99 by three ex-consultants, two from Oliver Wyman and one from McKinsey. When they founded it, they said what many have claimed about the consulting industry, that they believed that the analytics work was repetitive and was outsourceable, something that you could automate or identify patterns in and not do the same thing over and over again. They developed a software model and it took them less than a year to make it go live. A lot of their major clients were retailers. And the firm in 2016 was backed by a private equity firm. In 2013, Goldman Sachs upped their investment in the firm. Finally, APT was acquired by MasterCard in 2015 and why? APT takes their software tool and applies it to the analytics that retailers have. And it helps retailers identify who some of their key target customers are, when they're likely to repurchase, certain buying behaviors and triggers. It's some of the tools that have driven the analytics that you and I see today from retailers when they offer us one thing to go with another thing. And APT offering those kind of tools has driven significant value for MasterCard internally. MasterCard purchased APT for $600 million in 2015. And in their announcement of the acquisition, they explained that APT was a leading cloud-based analytics provider. Now, $600 million for a company that in 2019 is making $8 billion in net income 
isn't a lot, but in 2015, they weren't quite at that place. So this was a more significant investment at the time. Still, APT, a consulting firm that drove advanced analytics, and we saw people that went there turning down offers from McKinsey, Bain, and BCG to go there uh, because of the rigorous analytics, was adding such significant value that they were able to capture a lot of that value on the back end through the sale. One of the things that I discovered when I was at Bain was that people that left organizations like Bain that successfully started these niche consulting firms often realized a very large early payout in an acquisition, either by another consulting firm or in a situation like this for MasterCard. So overall, MasterCard is, in my opinion, a great company, leveraging the fixed assets that they have across the board to drive transaction volume and transaction purchase amounts. They have great relationships that are symbiotic with the retailers that they work with. Retailers want to offer MasterCard, but they're not willing to do it entirely at the expense of super high prices. And so MasterCard is likely to be an enduring business unless... Something arises to compete with the MasterCards and the Visas and the American Expresses and the Discovers of the world. What would that look like? Well, it would have to be an organization that was able to capture merchants really easily, online and offline. It would have to be an organization that could provide both hardware so that they could capture card payments and software. And there is one organization that's making a run at at it. It may be one that you've heard of, but didn't think of in this way. And that organization is Square. Companies like Square that are developing a private proprietary system, like their cash app and like their modeling of the way that they use their transaction systems, have the ability, because they own the hardware, to load onto the hardware access to take new cards. And if Square is able to launch a card, not co-branded with MasterCard, but actually just in their own system, At some point, that would be the kind of contender that could potentially threaten an organization like MasterCard. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it could happen at some point in the future. So keep your eyes peeled. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Strategy Simplified. If you like this episode and would like for us to cover another company in the future, we would love to have your suggestions. Please write us, team at managementconsulted.com. In addition, if you're preparing for case interviews, consulting, or just are trying to get smart on business, we have a lot of resources that we can recommend. Just join us over at managementconsulted.com. Thanks so much again for joining today.